This is Jacob Smith from the Same Old Song Podcast. And this is Amber Noel from the Living Church Podcast. And Amber, why are we here together? Why are we here, Jacob? You're joining me from far away in New York City, and we're here together to invite all of you, November 16th to 18th, to a Living Church preaching conference in the heart of Manhattan. Hosted by the Parish of Calvary St. George's and Friends, this is going to be a wonderful conference for you to hear from some of the best homilists in the craft give you an opportunity to get your head around preaching in Advent and preaching in Lent and uh, really encourage you as preachers. And the best way to register is to just click the link in the show notes today. Absolutely. So register early because this is going to be an exciting time. We'll see you there in New York City. That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible-carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, hey there, Same Old Song listeners. We're going to get to Transfiguration Sunday. Actually, the Feast of Transfiguration, which happens to be on a Sunday this year, doesn't always... But this year it does. But it is, Jake, I think worth noting that this is episode 258, which I know you know this, but it is also the country code for Mozambique. (laughs) So if we have any listeners in Mozambique, this episode is dedicated to you. That's great. Wow, who knew? knew? Well, I'll tell you what Google knew. That's why I didn't know that. Yeah, that's good. I got too it's much good. Bible in my head to memorize all the country codes. There's a member of our staff, shout out to Eugene Labry, our director of music and organist, who knows the capital city of every single country on the planet. You just throw out a, throw out a country name, you can do it. I don't know. That's real talent. The Lord <laughs> I used needs... to be able to do that because I collected stamps. Oh. Your true so... nerdy past. I thought you were cooler than that as a kid. Apparently not. No, no, no. Nope. Anyway, so here we are. We are uh, at the Feast of the uh, Transfiguration. and um, Which is August 6th every year. Yeah. Like I said, this year it's on a Sunday. And so we get... To, now, there are, you know, by the way, if you're in a non-Episcopal church that or some church that gets, you know, it's a little crazy with the lectionary, maybe you're not doing Transfiguration or whatever, and you're doing um, the readings for the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, if that's you, can't help you. Sometimes, sometimes there's some overlap with the Transfiguration readings, but anyways, we're going to be talking about Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 through 35. And really quick, before oh, yeah. we do that, can I sure. uh, do a shout out? Fine. So I want to do a shout out to uh, Reverend Josh Schatzel and uh, Christ Community Church and their youth group who has been listening to Same Old Song as part of their Aww. Bible weekly Bible study, and so... It is uh, great to uh, give you guys a shout out and uh, to everybody in that youth group who's listening. Thanks for listening and keep staying in tune and uh, shoot us a, shoot us an email. That's right. And as uh, Jake and I, as our parents of teenagers, we are super cool. <laughs> That's right. Maybe. maybe Although my best. kids don't think so. So, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> they're contractually uh, prevented from thinking their own parents are cool. So there you go. Yeah. 
All right, so back to the scriptures. But so we're looking at Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 to 35. Already said that. And then we, oh good, and then we take a look at 2 Peter uh, 1, 13 to 21. And then we're deep in the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 36. And that's because we're taking a, you just, because of Transfiguration Sunday. And so we take a look at the Transfiguration. And can I say that the collect for this day, as great as it is, I wish, if I'm ever on the prayer book, Revision committee, which I hope never exists. But if I were, yeah. I would want to remove the word glistening from this collect. Uh-huh. Glistening makes me think of, I don't know, like fresh fallen snow, maybe a, a jello mold just taken out of the fridge or something. Or maybe like a like a sweat on a hot body from a Pepsi commercial. <laughs> That's never what I think of, Jake. I'm how dare you? But the I mean it's just it's kinda lame, like white and glistening. It's like First, also says Raymond. Who says Raymond? That's, but, that's the uh, sound of glistening. But it's like it's like blinding light. It's like you know, go see Oppenheimer yeah. and watch the explosion of the atom bomb. Like that's the kind of light. Like it's mm. blinded by the light, wrapped up like a deuce. Another runner in the night. Mm. Originally written by Bruce Springsteen, but then popularized by Manfred Mann. Anyways, enough of the collect. On to the readings. Exodus 34: 29 through 35. Uh, by the way, since we made that glistening joke, I bet the youth of whatever that church is you mentioned, they're all going to be giggling in church on Sunday. When they yeah, that. that's right. They'd be like, Zimmerman <laughs> ruined it for me. Okay, so Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and he's been up there uh, getting the law of God. He's coming down with the two tablets of stone where the Ten Commandments are written, the word, the law of God, and his face is shiny. So this Sunday gets you know, so much thematic linkage. This is not a Sunday where people have to be guessing at how these different readings are connected to one another. Because this, you know, both the Old Testament reading, Exodus 34, and the New Testament reading, Luke 9, are about being up on a mountain and having an encounter with God, um, and somebody is shining really brightly. Um, And then the second Peter reading is just kind of sandwiched in between these two where Peter actually describes his own experience witnessing this Mm -hmm. event, which is what, so everything's sort of linked. But this, you know, Exodus gives us the backstory. So Moses is on the mountain getting the law. And when he comes down from the mountain, he's not aware of this, but his face is shining because he's been talking about God, God, the source of light and life, uh, you know, Moses just being in his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, receives some of that, sort of rubs off on him. And uh, the result when he comes down is that they are, Aaron, his brother, the priest, and the other um, Israelites, they're terrified. Um, and so he does speak to them, but we learn here that in the future he has to kind of put a veil, like after this he starts putting a veil on his face um, after he talks with God um, so that they are not so terrified. So, uh, obviously, if you're preaching on the Sunday, you're probably not preaching on just one passage. You're uh, maybe trying to link them all together and explain the importance of the Transfiguration, why it's such a major feast. But what are some things, if you were to kind of drill down on this passage, Jake, that you would want to highlight? Well, I would, uh, wanna, I'd want to set it in context. And so, uh, you know, you got to go back to uh, earlier in uh, chapter 34. Uh, and this is where, uh, because if you remember, this is after the Golden Calf Incident. And uh, 
uh, and so what you what we're seeing right here a little bit is uh, in this chapter is God renewing His covenant with Israel, not on the basis of uh, their righteousness, but on the basis of God pardoning their sins and their iniquity. And so when Moses comes off the mountain with his, this helps explain why uh, they're terrified. Because when Moses comes off the top of the mountain and his face is shiny, it's not that they're just like, "Hey, this is oh, wow, crazy," you know. It's uh, they are terrified of this. And this is because the law is doing its job. Um, it demonstrates that, um, well, uh, Israel and all of us, when before the law, it exposes uh, who we are. It generates fear within us. Kind of like uh, God walking through the Garden of Eden, you know, the, the voice changes from who, where are you to where are you? Mm. And so when they see this light coming off, they're, they're afraid because this is, a, um, this is a light that reveals who they actually are and who they are is a stiff-necked people. And if you're going to preach on this text alone, then you got to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul uses actually this scene to make a distinction between the law and the gospel, where he talks about the law being a ministry of death carved in letters on stone that came with such a glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Uh, Therefore, now we understand Jesus and what he's all about, the ministry of the Spirit having more glory. This is why I was just on a vacation in Arizona and we passed uh, a church that had prominently right on the door the Ten Commandments as you walked in. And it was I was just was like, this is a ministry of death. And if this doesn't if this isn't being used to drive you to the gospel, then it shouldn't be here. But mm. uh, Paul uses this passage in, in 2 Corinthians tying here into Exodus to contrast the greater glory that Christians behold in the new covenant with Christ. Um, Although the Old Covenant, I mean, the law is glorious, it's limited because it's not able to, it, 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 it doesn't have the ability to allow people to keep it. What we need is actually um, unmerited, unconditional love, sacrificial love that lays its life down for you in Jesus Christ. And by that blood and that blood alone says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's right. That's right. Well, um, so should we move on to? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a perfect thing. Chapter one. Yeah, because uh, Second Peter is here. Peter is actually writing, writing about his experience up there. You know, and uh, he's writing about his experience and what he. what he actually saw. So uh, the powerful thing about Peter, if you're going to preach on Peter, is one of their first points you need to make is that Peter right here in this epistle is rooting the event of transfiguration in actual history. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths, because you remember in Peter's day, there's this revival of like cultic religions all across the Roman Empire. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that are all about, you know, the Mithra this or, you know, uh, uh, the, the resurrection of Osiris or whatever. The, and the Peter's Jedi saying, that. Yeah, but he's saying, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh Uh-oh, here's an important part. But we had been made eyewitnesses of his majesty. So here he is referencing the transfiguration. Here he is referencing the resurrection. He is an eyewitness of the majesty. If this didn't happen, uh, well, then count me out because Peter is a liar. So this is one of the very first powerful things you could preach on in this particular text is that this is true. Yeah, this is... 
uh, where Peter underlines uh, with his red pen and goes over with his bright neon highlighter that this really happened. And, he, and it's given more weight by the fact that these are essentially his last words. He says, I, my death will come soon. Uh, mm. And so he's saying, as long as I'm in this body, I want you to, I want to refresh your memory. I will say this to my dying breath, which is coming very soon. Um, and uh, and what I want you to know is that we didn't make this stuff up. That this really That's happened. Right. And I was with him on the mountain, uh, and we ourselves heard this. We saw this. Uh, we were he, you know, he says we were eyewitnesses. Uh, and. Um, by the way, that's what is kind of one of the major factors of whatever is in the New Testament, that those books are included because they were written by people who are eyewitnesses to Jesus, who were compiling the stories of eyewitnesses to Jesus. So uh, he wants them to know this is, not, this is not a story. This is not a fairy tale. This is not Santa Claus. Uh, this is the real thing. Uh, and, um, uh, and, and why do you think that's so important to him? Like, this is the thing. Like, why is it so important to him? And, like, Peter Peter gets his desire. Like, the church still remembers this today um, and, and puts it as a feast on the church calendar to make sure that we, you know, that there's so many churches and many Christians, actually, out there who would, who if I said, do you know what happened in the transfiguration of Jesus? They wouldn't know. Christmas, they'd get. Easter, they'd get. Maybe. But transfiguration, a lot of people, a lot of churches don't observe it or celebrate it, certainly in the non-denominational world or... Um, any of the non-liturgical kinds of churches, this just gets sort of pushed over. And why yeah. is this so important to Peter? Um, well, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, it's, and this is where you know, I can kind of turn to, to Luke's gospel in chapter 9, where um, it's Jesus uh, with Peter, John, and James on the top of the mountain uh, showing grace to them and showing his power to them. This is... Uh, uh, you know how in um, in the Wizard of Oz, the the great wizard appears as this great and powerful Oz, that giant luminous floating head, and is striking fear into the hearts of uh, Dorothy and her companions. Um, and it turns out that's fake, and the real Oz is this little tiny kind of shrimp of a man behind the curtain in a little booth. Jesus is the opposite. There, he. This is the real Jesus, in a sense. Like, he's showing us his true nature and power. Um, the one we see walking around a lot of times is, uh, is not the full picture. And so he's revealing his true power, and, um, uh, and he shows uh, grace to Peter and James and John because they kind of, this is not a great shining moment for them. It is for Jesus, but it's not for them because... Um, uh, one, they can barely stay awake. Um, they're dozing off. They're physically weak. And two, Peter has this idea about let's stay up there um, and make these three little uh, trailers, one for you, one for uh, Moses, and one for Elijah, who are all there. And that's the opposite of what Jesus wants to do. That's the opposite of Jesus' mission. Jesus' mission is to go down from the mountain and die for the sins of the world and rise again for everlasting life. But Peter here again wants to stop that mission, just like in Caesarea, he tried to tell Jesus not to die. And that's where Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. So Peter is getting it wrong again here. And so Peter receives this grace after seeing Jesus and all his power and sort of terrifying glory. Jesus, in, even in that situation, shows grace to him. So that's one of the reasons I think the transfiguration matters. It's sort of like 
even if you see God and all his glory and power and might and all that and stuff, you can still mess up and God still will forgive you. So I think that's an important thing about this, uh, about this event. But before I take up all the air in the room, Jake, anything, what would you add to this? Um, I mean, I got more, but what would you add to this transfiguration preaching? Well, why is it? Why, so why is uh, the transfiguration important? And um, I mean, and you're absolutely right. It is a shame. It's an absolute shame that this uh, feast is not remembered more by the church today. Because uh, what this is about, um, ultimately, is a preview of things to come. One of my favorite things about watching the Super Bowl is not the Super Bowl, unless the Jets ever get in there, that game, which is probably never. <laughs> uh, and so, but uh, um, although maybe this year, uh, the the point of watching the Super Bowl for me is to enjoy uh, chicken chicken uh, wings and uh, potato skins. But more importantly than that. It is the transfiguration. Uh, it's the previews, uh, the previews of all the summer movies that are going to come up. Actually, that's where I saw the preview for Oppenheimer, you know, for the first time. And uh, you see all these amazing previews. And the transfiguration is important because what it is is a preview of the resurrection and things that are, are to come. So this is why uh, Peter would say in First Peter, he says, This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the message we ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. And then he goes on to say here, so we have this prophetic message more fully confirmed. And why? Because uh, Jesus rose from the dead. So the transfiguration is a preview of the resurrection. Yeah. And, uh, and so you will, and the resurrection is the, so is the uh, confirmation of who Jesus, it's the ultimate miracle and the confirmation of who Jesus Christ said he was. And it is not only that, it is the uh, testimony that you uh, stand before God justified and righteous before him. This is why it's so important. Jesus just dying would forgive your sins, but his resurrection demonstrates that you are also justified before God. Mm. And so... Uh, this is why he says you will do well to be attentive to this as a lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Because this is what we have to cling to, the mm -hmm. resurrection. What the transfiguration points to is what we actually have to cling to. Shine, Jesus, shine. You know, well, is that all you got? Uh, yeah, that's all we got. But it's enough <laughs> yeah. because it is the power of God unto salvation. And uh, this uh, prophecy, uh, that's what prophecy is, is to speak the word of God, is not a matter of our own interpretation, uh, but this comes uh, because the Holy Spirit has been placed in our hearts and enables us to proclaim this message. This is a divine message that we're doing. And so, preacher, when you're up there, this just isn't another gig. Uh, you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are, uh, are prophesying, and uh, prophesying not something of human will, but something of God's will. And what God's will says as a result of this transfiguration, pointing to the resurrection, is that I'm for you, and I will never leave you or forsake you. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of uh, God being for us, uh, I think uh, I'll give you kind of a, 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 maybe there's three or four kind of sermon nuggets I'll give you give, give to our listeners here. Some of which we've talked about in the past, because this passage or uh, the other gospel accounts of this passage have come up in the past. But here's yeah. some of the things that we've talked about if you're a new listener haven't heard us say in years past. But one of the amazingly beautiful things that happens here is that Moses is in the promised land. And Amen. 
it's not, um, you know, the passage doesn't point that out to you, but if you can do a little bit of unpacking for your uh, congregation and let them know that Moses was prevented from ever entering the promised land. He led the people out of Egypt, led them to the desert, got just to the to the border, the Rio Grande there, and was stopped, <laughs> uh, pushed back in the river um, from crossing over into the promised land uh, because of um, a, a mistake he had made in the past. And so... He died yeah, when he struck, the promised land. When he struck the water, the, yeah, the rock with the, the rock. water, and he said, essentially, this is the Jacob Smith paraphrase, but he was like, how much more must we do for you? Yeah, and he kind uh, of so was he, getting it back on himself as opposed yeah. to trusting in the Lord. And so mm-hmm. because of that, he had to stay outside the promised land. But it just shows that even after death, even after the most impossible situation, the total lost cause, Moses died outside the promised land. End of story, all she wrote. Here and he you never hear about land. him really again. You never hear about him again until right here. And he shows up and he's in the promised land talking to Jesus. And it's just a beautiful picture of forgiveness in the mm. most impossible situation. So that's something and, you can talk about. And uh, then you have Elijah. Yep. And uh, the, the thing that Moses and Elijah both have in common is that these are the places in the Old Testament where miracles are happening all over the place. And so with Moses in the wilderness and then Elijah's ministry. And uh, Elijah embodies all of the prophets. He is the prophet. He is the one whom uh, was to be the forerunner before the Messiah. And so uh, he is a very important figure in the Old Testament. And so he embodies the prophets. So you have Moses who embodies all of the law and Elijah who embodies all of the prophets pointing to Jesus. And they're not talking about summer vacation. They're speaking of his departure, which in the Greek is the exodon. Uh, Jesus's exodus um, out of sin and death the, into the promised land of everlasting life. And it's interesting, Peter in this epistle uses the same word for his departure, so that after my exodon as well, mm. because uh, we, uh, God's people, are following our mighty head through uh, sin, death, into everlasting life. And so that's what they're speaking about with Jesus and about what he's about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Yep, and that's important. They're not just talking about the latest, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, What's going hey, isn't on this in, the, cool? in the foreign exchange markets or whatever? Um, they're talking about Jesus' death, uh, which ex- Elijah and Moses benefited greatly from. And so, so they're talking about that. And I think, you know, the other thing we said, you can talk about Moses being the promised land and forgiveness in impossible situations. You could talk about the fact that both the law and the prophet here point to Jesus. He is the fulfillment of all things. You can also talk about the, um, just, and I a little bit about this I've already mentioned, but the just kind of, the failure of the disciples to be good religious people here. They're weighed down with sleep. Peter gets the whole thing wrong about what's happening there. And yet God shows up in mercy. I think about so many times people think that they should be really better prayers, better Christians, whatever. And here you have these three disciples who just kind of strike out. And even so, um, God's voice booms out. And you might think it would be some reprimanding, condemning voice like, Peter, you moron. No, they're not supposed to stay on the mountain. You're not supposed to build three booths up here so they can stay and you can charge admission. Um, no, God says, this is my son, the, the, my chosen or my beloved. Listen to him. And of course, what does Jesus say? If you were to listen to what Jesus says, um, he says things like, believe in me. He says things, um, uh, well, he, you know, when we listen to him, what he tells us is to put our trust in him and him alone, not in our actions. So if you, if you like the disciples, are also not being a very good Christian, this message is for you. And mm-hmm. I think one of the um, 
final things that I would say if I was preaching this passage is that Jesus, this to me exemplifies how Jesus works in our lives. We do get to see him up on the mountain in his glory. Like the disciples, when when God is doing amazing, flashy stuff, we tend not to notice it or just get it wrong. Um, uh, and um, and yet, I think where God often meets us is when he comes down off the mountain into the muck of life where, where we usually find ourselves, and that's where Jesus goes. Um, uh, to accomplish at Jerusalem, to go down from the top of the mountain. Um, so those are some of the things that I would uh, that I would talk about. What would you add something to that, Jake? I could probably come up with five or seven more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a. I think the. Uh, I think one thing you know you could say too is is that uh, uh, this is almost a picture, almost of the redemption of Mount Sinai and what happened. You know, yeah. so because the disciples are up there on the mountain as well, and just like Israel. Uh, in the presence of God, uh, it is uh, on your own. It's not a great thing. It's terrifying, actually. This is. I remember one time, um, uh, one of my colleagues, Jay Gardner, was preaching a sermon, and uh, he was telling this. He was telling this story about how somebody was like, "I don't want my God mediated. You know, just me and Jesus, me and my God." And actually, um, no. Uh, to be in the presence of God, Jay's point was, uh, is to. It's terrifying. And you and I need a mediator, and that is Jesus. And through Jesus, we can hear the Father say, this is my well-beloved Son, my chosen, listen to him. And uh, that ultimately um, is the what Peter talks about in his, uh, in his uh, epistle is the message that we need to be attentive to. Uh, Jesus is our mediator and advocate before the Father. He is God's Son, the chosen, and we can listen to him, and when we do hear him, Uh, no matter how many booths we want to build, we'll realize there's only room for one, and that's Christ who's tabernacled in our hearts. Amen. And a little tiny box at the front of the church by the altar. (laughs) The other thing that I would say is, um, I'll add one one or two more things, just to say that God the Father says, listen to him. You know, Moses and Elijah are both there, and God the Father says, listen to him. Uh, And... This, to me, is something that the church could stand to hear because a lot of times the church wants to speak as Moses the lawgiver or the church wants to speak as Elijah the prophet, you know, Moses um, being the voice for what um, we are supposed to do, all the things, the list of uh, requirements. The prophet is the one who reminds you of those things and threatens judgment if you don't. And God the Father who says, listen to my son who has one thing to say, that he came not to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him and to trust in him. Uh, believe in the one in whom, uh, who, who the Father has sent. That's what the Son says. So Moses comes down from Sinai with the commandments, a long, long list. Here, the word that's given on the top of the mountain, there's one thing to do, and that's listen to Jesus, in a sense, to trust him and to rest in him. So very different sort of thing where Moses' face is illuminated and that causes fear. And um, here, uh, um, this light um, reveals who Jesus is. And uh, the word that's given is not a law, which um, leads to disobedience and death, but ultimately it's, it's a word of grace. This is my son, the chosen, listen to him. And of course, Jesus goes straight from here down to, to do what he came to do, his exodus, mm-hmm. his departure. So I think that's, a, that's another good um, 
good angle to take. But make sure you have people leave feeling like the transfiguration is good news, not just facts about Jesus. One time he got really shiny and he is God, you know, he's powerful. Yeah, but why does it matter? Because of what he then goes to do, um, what he does with that power, with his divine um, personhood. He goes to give his life to die and to mm. rise again um, and to forgive us. So that's Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, and um, to our listeners in Mozambique and around the world, uh, we'll see you again next week as we continue to work through these uh, hot days of summer with the cool, cool preaching of the gospel. It's good. I know. We did it. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.